I got him. I have to bleep all this, and people aren't going to even know what I'm doing. Hi, welcome to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, publishing, parenthood, and marriage. I'm Morgan Baden. With me is my co-host and my husband and my baby daddy, both baby daddies. Luckily, Barry Liga. Wait, both? <laughs> you were. I know you were anxious. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I didn't realize the <laughs> DNA test had come back. So, okay. Anyway, um, it is Saturday night. It is raining. It has been a long week. It's been a very long week. So, um, out of the blue, Monday night, our kid got sick. She had a fever. Yeah. And then continued to have a very high fever for the next three and a half days. Yes. And um, I'm sure like most kids, when when ours is sick, uh, it's tough on everyone in the house because obviously she feels miserable, but um, she also becomes like a little... A little sweaty leech who who won't let <laughs> like go gonna of say, me. I was going to say barnacle, oh, but there okay. You go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, really, for for a solid two days there, she basically clung to you. Yeah, like yeah. I like she was. Her arms were just hooked around my neck twenty four seven, and you know, her, her, she had a high fever, and, and she so, and she was hot too. I was going to so. say like it was the sweaty little head burrowing into my neck and yeah. chest, and uh, oh, the poor thing was miserable. She was, yeah. And we were miserable, too, because yeah. we were up at all hours with yeah. her. Um, I felt utterly useless because if there was one day where I was home alone with her while she was sick, um, for for a substantial part of the day at mm-hmm. least, and she did that to me. She clung yeah. to me. And that was fine. But the rule in this house is if mommy is in sight, she wants mommy. Yeah. Nothing else matters. Daddy is chopped liver. If mommy's not around, daddy will do. <laughs> um, but since you were home, yeah, she just clung to you, and I, you know, I would try to take her from you sometimes, uh-huh, yeah. or you would try to hand her off so that you could, you know, I don't know, go to the bathroom, yeah. and she would howl and scream yeah. until you took her back. Yeah. So yeah, it's tough, and that it's so sweet, but uh, you know, it, this is going to sound crazy, but. Today I was thinking about how I kind of missed it because because those cut those nonstop cuddles are really sweet and right. you know they're she's almost two these aren't going to last forever yeah but um but gosh when you're in the thick of it it's it's really like kid can I just go get a drink of water for a second you know right but um it was interesting because obviously when your kid is sick and there's not much you can do um, this was a random fever we were giving her children's Tylenol. And it didn't work that well. Yeah. Um, and FYI, we took her to the doctor twice. So it's not like because, we were just because like, we're those parents. Yeah, yeah. Um, our doctors basically laughed at us. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, she just has a fever. She's fine. Yeah. But yeah, well, th- th- that's something we should talk about for a second because, you know, she first started off at 100 and then within a day it went to 102. Yeah. And we were kind of like, wow, she's never had a fever this high. She's yeah. had fevers before, but never this high. And then and then one day it was 103. Right. And at that point we started to freak out. I and mean, took her to, literally her knees were hot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like every part of her her body was hot. And the the doctor laughed at us and said, you know, we don't really worry with kids this age until you get to 105, 106. And I'm like, are you kidding me? But apparently... She was like, you know, if you're an adult, yeah, that sounds like a high number. You're going to die. Right. And you would immediately go to the doctor. But for kids, they don't, they are not concerned. Kids spike high fevers. Yep. So that was a good lesson. Yes. But also, um, you know, it, it was a tough week for me, partly because of her and partly because work was really busy and I ended up feeling like 
I was failing on both fronts all of the time. Right. Because when you have a sick kid and you can't make her better, you're, it feels like you're failing her. And when you have crazy things going on at work and you can't be 100% there because you've got this sick kid glued to your neck, uh, you, you're failing there too. And uh, it just really sort of struck me by like, by Wednesday night, I was like, oh, I suck at everything. <laughs> Yeah. And by Thursday, which was the worst day of all, I was like, I'm just going to pack up and move to the mountains and not do any, I, like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I was like, I'm, I'm out of options here. I'm, I'm going to be a hermit. Yeah. Like, I'm terrible at parenting. I'm terrible at working. I can't, I clearly can't do these things together. And, you know, all this very dramatic stuff that in retrospect seems silly, but it really did feel like. Well, you were also enormously sleep deprived. Of course. Let, yeah. Let's not forget to throw that into the equation. We were both, you know, there was a night she, we put her down at her normal time. She woke up at like eleven thirty that yeah. night and did not go back to sleep until two thirty, maybe. And, and then woke up at four thirty. And then woke so up like, at four thirty, yeah. and then from then was up for the rest yeah. of the day. So, I mean, we were both running on. Yeah, yeah. No sleep. I also missed um, President Obama's speech at the DNC because I was up with her, right. and I still haven't watched it, which I feel bad about. But um, and it was funny too because then on Thursday night her fever broke. Yeah, she went to bed, and we felt pretty confident that she would have a solid night's sleep. And all we wanted to do was sleep. But, but we had to stay up to watch Hillary's speech. And I'm watching, I gotta tell you, I'm watching the clock and I'm like, it's like Chelsea's talking and I'm like, Chelsea, like, talk faster. Up. And then they had the video. Wrap I'm like, up, lady. not a goddamn video. Come on, just bring her out. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I mean, do, do, do you ever feel like you're failing at Constantly. all the things? Yeah. Constantly. I mean, I. Maybe being a parent means that you just feel like you're failing all the time. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like I'm a failure as a parent all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't have a job. I'm not gainfully employed. If I had one, I'm sure I would feel like I was bad at it. <laughs> but the the thing that I do have that I laughingly refer to as a job, I feel like I'm terrible at it. <laughs> and, and that's usually how I feel, but it's, it's been worse lately. Yeah. Um, it's been a strange year for me writing wise i realized i I finally had to sit down and have a a nice uh long talk with myself the other day and tell me about this i don't know yeah no um you know and and admit to myself that guess what you're not going to sell a book this year oh and this is the first year this will be the first year since i sold a book that i have not sold wow and it's not because nobody wants to buy any books well, I hope it's not because <laughs> nobody wants to buy any books from me. You haven't it's submitted. It's purely because I don't have anything to submit. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been trying to get things done, but this has been a year where <laughs> real life yeah. has intruded upon writing. Yeah. And so it has been really, really difficult. And I have three projects in various stages of completion, but they're all really early. Mm. You know, it's, yeah. not, it's not like I could say, okay, if I focus on this one for a month or two months, I could get it to my agent. Maybe we could sell it by the end of the year. No, that's yeah. not going to happen. It, it's just, I'm not going to sell something this year. And, you know, I, it's not that, you know, I've sort of had to realize that's okay. Like, big deal. Right. Like, doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to sell another book ever right, again. Right. It doesn't mean uh, it, it doesn't mean anything at all. But it's just weird when you look at sure. oh, since 2005 when I sold Fanboy and Goth Girl, I've sold a book every year. Yeah. And this year it didn't happen. Yeah. So that that's a strange feeling. And yeah, so I, I feel there's a part of me that feels like a failure as yeah. a writer because I haven't gotten enough written this year to yeah. do that. Um, 
But I feel like having written and sold, you know, 16 books in the previous 11 years, maybe, maybe I get a little break. I feel like you got a five year window there. I feel like, I feel like maybe, you know, the, the, the gods of writing for the rest of your life, you have five years in which to not sell a book and you can use them as use them all at once or I can split them up. Okay. All right. That's cool. That's good to know. (laughs) No, but, um, speaking of feeling like a failure as a writer, let's talk about me. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, so I'm going through some things writing wise, Yeah. uh, that, I don't, I don't even want to like hash them all out right now, but, but really what, at this point, what I need is some advice. So I feel very, I have a dear friend who is very, um, all over the place in her life. Like she always has these big ideas and literally every day it's a new, drastically different big idea right. about what she should do or where she's going to go or whatever. And that's how I feel. I, that's what I feel like I'm doing right now when it comes to writing. Like every day I'm like, no, I should write about this. Yeah. And then the next day I'm like, nope, I'm going to do this. And I feel like maybe I'm, maybe that's some, that's me subconsciously procrastinating of like, well, I can't write that book because I just had this new idea. Do you know what I mean? So anyway, I'm, I've got three solid ideas. They are three different genres and three different age ranges in three varying stages of completion, including one that I haven't started to actually put pen to paper yet. They're That's just an interesting in definition of stage of I know. completion. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't say completion. Stages like of negative uh, completion. <laughs> one is negative 10, one is negative eight and one is negative two. Okay. So, um, anyway, I don't know where to go from here. Yeah. My problem is you have a great strategy, which everyone who listens knows, which is write each of your ideas for a certain limited period of time. Which, you know, in all fairness, I have to say, it was not my idea. It was my agent's okay, idea. She suggested right. it to me. Shout out, Kathy. And, and you know, I feel like I felt like an idiot because it seemed so obvious. <laughs> and it took 10 years for me to finally say the words that made her tell me that. But whatever. Yeah, go ahead. My problem is I feel like I am so short on time yeah. that that is potentially a colossal waste of time. And even saying that out loud, I feel, I I hear the arguments already, which is like, it's never a waste of time to write. You know what I mean? Like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's, that's. Yeah. uh, But I'm genuinely, like, I I don't know what to do. And I am sort of, I'm frozen by this not knowing. And I I need help. Well, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that our listenership will chime in with suggestions, but I'll tell you what I think in the meantime, while we wait for them, phone lines are open, people. (laughs) So first of all, yeah, you're procrastinating. Yeah. Yeah. Not intentionally, mm-hmm. but your, your brain is kicking up all these things. I yeah. honestly didn't even realize that yeah. until I said that earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Your brain's kicking up all these different ideas as a way of giving you cover for not working on anything. Yes. Uh, now, you know, I famously have said that I like to treat ideas like small children desperate for my love, <laughs> <laughs> which is I ignore them and send them away yeah. until they come back with something worthwhile. Yeah. So I would say, first of all, think in those terms, like these are great ideas. Sure. But legit, try not to think about them for a little while and see which one or which ones keep obsessing you. I think, well, I think I already know the answer to that. All right. And it's the one that scares me the most. Well, that probably tells you something right there. Um, it's the one that you had when I told you it, you burst out laughing and said that is a fantastic idea. Okay. All right. (laughs) Well, I mean, if I told you it's a fantastic idea, then that's the one to work on because I know all. So, so first of all, there's that. Second of all, this idea that, you know, well, time writing is never time wasted. That's a little too, uh, that's a little too positive reinforcement, optimistic (laughs) and, and happy for, for Catholic Jewish me. Um, I'm sure it's possible to waste time writing. I'm sure I've done it. 
But the fact of the matter is this. It is better to waste time writing than to waste time not writing. Okay? Mm. You're not writing right now. No, I'm not. So if you're going to waste your time. Yeah, waste it writing. Waste it writing. I, I had a girlfriend in college. Who don't talk about past girlfriends with me. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> got really annoyed with me once for like wasting my time, like just frittering my time away. Yeah. And she said, if you're going to fritter your time away, come hang out with me and fritter your uh, time away. Yeah. And writing is your girlfriend. Like <laughs> if you're going to waste your time, waste it writing. Um, I like that. So that's what I would say to you. So, you know, and you don't have to, you know, the, the advice Kathy gave to me and the way I implemented it is, you know, I spend, uh, three weeks, a month, whatever, working on each project yeah. and see where it takes me. You don't have to do that. Spend like a single week yeah. on a project and then a single week on another project. And if that doesn't give you enough of a, of a feeling, yeah. do it again Okay, and keep doing it until you do get it. And then what will happen is one of them will pop and then you've wasted half the time. Right. You know, as opposed to wasting all the time by sitting around twiddling your thumbs going, I don't know which one to work on and I don't want to waste my time. So I'll just watch Housewives on the couch. You know, it seems to me those shows have to go on hiatus at some point, right? No, that's the beauty of Bravo is that there are so many of them. That there are always that a new there's one? There's always four in rotation. <laughs> you always have you four and I have nights a week. But. different definitions of beauty <laughs> in this instance. Um, something you just said, though, made me think of a really interesting article slash study that you sent over to me a couple of days ago. And then I sent it over to my friends because I was so in awe of it. Uh, it's called Don't Think Too Positive by Gabrielle Oedingen. Spelling? Uh, pronunciation? I'm not sure. Yeah. Anyway, um, and the blurb is, fantasies about the future have a troubling effect on achieving actual goals. If positive thinking doesn't work, what does? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not one of those, like, things will always turn out for the best kind of people. Or am I? I don't know. Uh... Uh, yeah, I see it in your eyes. But... <laughs> But I've always been, I, I, I am a positive thinker. I yes. definitely err on the side of optimism. Um, and I tend to think for most things, things will be okay. And I will get what I want, basically, is what I'm <laughs> um, And this article really kind of scared me out of that, particularly when it comes to writing. Yeah. Because uh, to, to be perfectly candid here, I think I've always thought, like, I will have great success as a writer someday. Yeah. And now here I am not uh, like I can't get my act together. Do you know what I mean? So like, no, I have to stop thinking like that. And I actually have to figure out how can I get the work done and it should be about the work that I'm doing. You know what I mean? So I I loved this article and I sent it to you and I love it so much because it confirms my worldview, (laughs) (laughs) which is that the world is a dark, depressing place and we are all just sacks of meat ready to rot. And I'm so glad I married you. Yeah. And, and what it really did for me I mean, what, I mean, I have always been this weird combination of optimist and pessimist, you know, I have always, I'm very curious that you're calling yourself even somewhat of an optimist. Yeah. I just think you're like a capital C cynic. I, well, yeah. I mean, I would call myself a realist to be (laughs) honest with you, but I've always, you know, I've always hoped for the best, but expected and anticipated the worst. Okay. And that's what I mean when I say that. And I think that the times in the past where I really, really 100% believed wonderful things were going to happen, they almost never did. Hmm. 
I think I've said this before on this show, but almost every exceptional thing that has happened career-wise for me, writing-wise, has come out of nowhere. Okay. Was something I didn't see coming from a thousand yards away. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, Example, I Hunt Killers hitting the New York Times bestseller list. Right, yeah. Had no idea, no expectation whatsoever. Didn't imagine it ever. Right. You know? And it just... Boom. Came out of nowhere. Yeah. Get a phone call. It happened. Um, I'll give an example of the other side just to show, you know, what I'm thinking. Boy Toy. Yeah. I thought Boy Toy was going to be huge. I thought Boy Toy was going to be a absolutely huge book. Huh. Thought it was going to win awards. Thought it was going to sell huge. And really believed that. I mean, yeah. not just, gee, it would be nice if this happened, but just very confidently believed this. <laughs> the exact opposite <laughs> happened. The book, I mean, you know, it just, it didn't sell at all. Like nothing happened. It got great reviews, but you know, you can't deposit reviews in your checking account. <laughs> um, so, so a part of me always tries to remember that yeah. when I'm thinking about the future, you know, I try to remind myself that the good things have generally come out of nowhere. And the, uh, I was going to say bad things, but they're not bad things. The disappointments, let's say mm-hmm. the disappointments have always been, when you tried in, to plan in, for something? Insta- well, when I tried to plan for something, but also instances where I got ahead of myself and got too confident uh, and too confident that good things were right around the corner. Okay. But then again, I'm the guy who got to a point where when I would send out uh, query letters and story submissions to publications, I would mockingly refer to them as requests for rejection <laughs> because I was just getting rejections yeah. all the time. And that was just how I thought about it was, it would, I mean, that's self-defense, you're obviously, right, you know, like, okay, you're protecting yourself. But I mean, there's something to be said, I think for the, you know, the, this study that they did showed sort of that people who think positively about the future and about their prospects tend not to put in the work exactly because they just, they figure a, it's going to happen and B they feel like they've already lived through it and that it's already happened for them. So they, they have no impetus to expend the energy to make it happen. Basically the, the scientific part of the study was that your brain chemicals respond in the same way when you envision something great happening um, versus when it actually does. And so you sort of lose that chemical motivation to go, to put in the work to get what it is right. you're trying to achieve. Which is why many authors, myself included, for the most part, tend not to talk about what they're working on. Right, yeah. Because I know many, many people who... God, I sounded like Donald Trump right there, didn't I? <laughs> it's going to be great. I know many, many people. Their <laughs> careers are a disaster. Um <laughs> That, that was more Bernie Sanders no. there, but anyway, my, my Trump and my Sanders are kind of kind of similar. Um, that tells you something right there. That tells you something right there, exactly. Um, I, I, I know authors who have gotten to that trap where they're working on something they're very passionate about, they're very involved in it, and then they talk about it yeah. too much, and then they feel like they've done it. And then yeah. there's a part of them that's like, why why do the hard work of writing this now? I've already told the story and gotten my endorphin hit. Yes, yeah. You know, huh. so... So, yeah, we, we've gotten a little far afield from what you were, were first talking about. But, I mean, I, I do think, you know, writing is sort of like um, dieting or sticking to a financial budget. Yeah. Because all of the reward and all of the upside is at an unknowable point in an unseeable future. Mm-hmm. There's no immediate reward at all. Yeah. Like, nobody comes home and goes, I didn't eat a donut today. Right. Yeah. Yay. It felt great not to eat a donut uh-huh. today. Um, 
you know, you're banking on this deferred gratification of you're going to feel great at some point in the future when yeah. donut toxins are not in your body, yeah. you know? Um, it's the same thing with writing. Like, you can have a good day writing, but who cares? Yeah. Like, even if you have a great day writing, you write you have 4,000 words and they're all terrific words, it's still just a tiny piece of the story. Right. And it, so who the hell cares? Yeah. You know? So it's tough. And so, again, I, I beg our listenership to chime in. But I really would genuinely want to hear from people. Like, when you have multiple ideas and they're all so different and you're short on time, which everyone's short on everyone's time. Everyone's short yeah. on time, yeah. Um, how do you choose? But I really do think that you should that you should take a week on I, one. I think I don't have a choice at this point. Yeah. Because it's either do that or just continue Or you writing. continue doing nothing, yeah. in which case... What's the point? Yeah. Do what I do, which is write part of it and then give it to your spouse to read and tell you if you're in the right place. You've handed me pages this week and I haven't even looked I at know. them. I know. And it's not even many pages. It's like yeah. 10. <laughs> I'm just procrastinating reading them. I don't blame you. Listen, this is pregnancy. <laughs> you know, you've got six more months to use <laughs> <know>. this excuse. <laughs> All I want to do is sit on the couch with my feet up. <laughs> and you know what? That's fine. <laughs> um, speaking of pregnancy, I had a coworker ask me. She doesn't have kids. And, uh, she was at a party in the suburbs last weekend and it was all, it was her, her friends who have kids. It was one of their birthday parties. And then of course, a whole bunch of kids and the parents from the neighborhood. And she said that she just got sort of hounded. She was being asked by a lot of people about what her family plans were. When are you having kids? Which and, I, I thought as a society, we'd all just sort of moved beyond that. Well, and, and oh, Yeah, there's a lot of things I thought we'd moved yeah, beyond, right, but it yeah. turns out we haven't. Yeah. So wait, and these are people like she's not close with. These, these are, are like people she doesn't new know. people she's yeah, just Yeah, new meeting. people at the party that she met. And then she started saying how uh, they all sort of behaved in a similar manner about their kids. Mm-hmm. And she, she asked me, and she was being genuine, like, so do you just lose yourself completely as a person when you become a parent? Because that's what it seems like happened to my friend here yeah. and these people. And I have to be honest with her. And the answer is yes, but it's temporary. Okay. I think that, uh, and I'm curious if you think this too, but there was a time right after having Leah that I was like, I am completely different. My brain is different. My mind is different. Everything is different. I will never recapture the me that I was before having this baby. Right. Um, and I think I, I think I have like, obviously um, having a baby just is a whole new layer to yourself, but, um, but yeah, you lose yourself, but it's temporary and all these things come back, all these parts of you. Did you feel anything like that? I mean, it's different. It's different for me, obviously, because you know, I'm not, after the baby, well, before the baby comes and after the baby comes, I'm not physically connected to the baby. I mean, you there are you know, brain chemicals, yeah, I mean, reactions that happen to you as well. Sure, but obviously, sure. they're they're much more intense for they're much more intense for you. And again, you know, even, even if those brain chemistry changes didn't happen, the fact of the matter is, uh, by dint of nursing, for example, yeah. you are physically attached to the baby, yeah. literally, for long stretches of time after she comes. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, what, what, two, three weeks after she was born, went to Chicago for two days for an author. I abandoned the hell out of you, um, for, for some kind of author thing that I don't even remember now, (laughs) but you know, you didn't do that. I mean, but did you feel like, like when you went to that, do you remember feeling different? Like, were you like, I'm looking at this through new eyes. I'm a, I'm a dad. 
No, I'm a different know, person no, than I was last year. Honestly, that did not happen until more recently. Really? And I think it's because she is so much more mobile now. Yeah. Independently so. That I tend to see the the dangers. Well, yeah. Like, you know, when, when she had to be carried around by one of us, mm-hmm. the only danger was, are we going to drop her? You know? No, do you remember we both had this fear that we were going to smack her into a wall? Yes. Do you I remember? Do. Yeah. Well, the, the door jam. The door, the yeah. door jam, yeah. Yeah. Be, well, that was because the apartment was weirdly configured. <laughs> yeah, but no, we did have that fear. Okay, so two <laughs> things could go wrong. We could drop her or smack her into the wall. But, and now, though, it's like just constantly scanning... Right, where is for she? For where, is she, where is she and what is going to kill her? Yes. You know, yeah. what? what is the most likely threat? Yeah. Uh, you know, I take her a couple times a week to this sort of play, indoor playground. It's too damn hot for the park. So I take her to this indoor playground. And while I'm there, she she runs around. But I am like two steps behind her. Yeah. And but making sure that nothing hurts her. I don't mean when you're with her. Yeah. So obviously the scanning for danger kind of right. thing, that's never going to go away. Yeah. I mean, when you're alone. And she's not with you. Right. And you are doing things that you have done for years that you used to do before we had her. Do you feel like a different person? Um, did you, know, you lose parts I, of yourself? I, and then... I mean, I did have the experience the first time I, we took her to daycare. when I The yeah. first day I dropped her off at daycare and came back to the house and sat down in, in my office to do some work. Um, every couple of minutes, I would suddenly get this jolt. And be like, oh my God, where is she? Like, <laughs> and, you know, I'd have that moment of, mm-hmm. I, I'm not looking after her. What the hell? Like, how could I lose myself in this webpage or this thing I'm writing or whatever it is? Yeah. Like, oh my God, where is she? And then, oh, right. She's not here. Yeah. She's someplace. She's safe. She's fine. Um, and I mean, I think. So you don't have the ability to lose yourself as completely. Probably to not. To immerse yourself in something. Completely. Probably not. But I, I. I, I have to say, it's probably not as bad for me as it is for you. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, uh, and, uh, that and, will never go away for me. Yeah, I, I mean, and I don't even know, I don't know for certain that it's necessarily a mom, dad, male, female thing mm-hmm. in this instance. I'm sure that it is to a degree, but I mean, I have always, for better or for worse, been able to lose myself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... Like, I mean, I can daydream at the drop of a hat. You know, I mean, I can, you know, you tell me, hey, go, th- go think about something for five minutes straight. I'm like, no problem. I'm already there, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can zone out like a champ. Like if it was an Olympic event, man, I'd get the gold. See, this is why I think you'd be really good at yoga. Well, the problem is usually the thing I'm zoning out about is stressing me. Oh, <laughs> Or leads to so some yoga kind of stress. would be stress. really good for you, not you. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I'll start thinking about a book and then get all tied up in knots yeah. about about a plot point or something and then get deeper and deeper into it yeah. and not realize that I just walked in traffic because I was thinking about yeah, this yeah. so deeply. Um, again, for better or for worse, it's a great thing when you're sitting at your computer writing yeah. and you and there isn't a baby in the house, so you can just completely zone out and block out the rest of the world. It's a bad thing when... You know, the baby's taking a nap and you think, oh, I'll, I'll take some time and work on this. And then you blink and you're like, wait, how long has she been awake? You know, you're like, did I miss something? Like, has she been up for an hour and I was doing stuff? Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, I'm sure part of it is mom, dad, male, female. But another part of it is just that's, yeah. you know, it, that's always that's come true. easily to yeah. me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to move on to something funny. <laughs> kind of. Not that funny now that I think about it. I, we, we are a cursing family. I'm well, not proud of this. 
I mean, but we both I, I, we I, I are fairly free with our curse words. I feel like you are not nearly as free oh, as I am. Certainly not. Okay, no, I'm glad I'm we have not. that. Glad yeah, have that yeah, yeah. No, and part of that is because. Uh, you know, I'm at work during the day, so I try to rein it in. I mean, I certainly curse occasionally at work, but I'm not. Uh, you you know, potty mouth. I know. Mouth of a sailor. But here, like, uh, I definitely do curse, but I really try not to. Your when... mother is listening to this, and she is so disappointed in you. <laughs> where do you think I learned all my cursing from? Oh, where do you think? No, I learned it from watching you. <laughs> she actually doesn't curse that much, although if you ask her, she says she does. And we're like, no, you don't. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yesterday... Or one of these, one of these sick days. I don't know. Um, you said, F- "Fuck you." When Donald Trump came on TV, yes. And our kid turned and looked at us and said, "Fuck." <laughs> and I like that you're laughing because I have to say we actually, I think we handled it really well because we didn't laugh out we didn't, loud. We didn't react. Yeah. We both looked at each other with like eyes as wide as pancakes, and we're like. OMG. And then she said it again. Uh huh. And, and then I, she stopped. And yeah, she hasn't said yeah. it since because we didn't react. Yeah. But she's been, you know, she's in the parroting phase of talking. Right. So everything you say, she says back. Right. And uh, so we have to stop, is what this, I'm saying. This, this relates back to a tweet that I made um, a while back while we were on hiatus, uh-huh. where I said, um, and I'll put a link to this in the show, note, the show notes, I said that it, it appeared as though her first word was going to be. <laughs> And I was very disappointed because I wanted it to be fun. <laughs> and a lot of people like this. And somebody even responded and said, I hope you talk about this in the podcast. <laughs> so here we are. We're talking about it. Um, you know, I said that because she's been saying, she at that time, she'd been saying the word sit, sit a yeah. lot. But she's little. Yeah, and she, she's a she has a little, a little bit of a lisp, yeah. the baby lisp. So it was coming out. Shit. shit. I got to have to bleep all this and people aren't going to even know what I'm doing. Just the picture a very sweet sounding curse word. Yes. That's what she sounded like when she said sit. So, so yeah. So anyway, so anyway, I was joking about that because honestly, that is like my, one of my favorite words. It's like one of my top two favorite words in the whole wide world, in the entire English language. And so, yes, I'm very free with that word. I love that word. It's a great word. You are free to still use it off hours. Off hours. (laughs) (laughs) But between the hours of 7.30 a.m. and 7.30 p.m., we're both... That's half the day. (laughs) Now you're going to stay up late just to curse. I'm I'm going to have to. I I need my cursing overtime. But but it's it's funny, though, because, like, I mean... uh, like I, I, out of deference to you, <laughs> I'm going to watch it. I genuinely do not care if she knows that word or any word. I, I really do. don't. Okay, I, I really do. don't. Can I, I tell you a real story here? Of course. When uh, I have a younger brother and he was the fourth kid, the baby of the family and the only boy. So yeah. there was a lot of lackadaisical parenting attitudes <laughs> going on by the time my brother was Yeah, because everybody was exhausted. Basically. <laughs> and um, we watched... We watched pretty age-inappropriate movies growing up. And if you ask my mom, she'll laugh and say, yes, but look how wonderful you all turned out. So I don't care. But, like, literally, Children of the Corn was something that we watched every other day from the age of, like, six on. Which is kind of psychotic. I know, but it's such a good movie. But anyway, um, my brother grew up on Ghostbusters and Pee-wee's Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Okay. Both of which have frequent cursing. There is a video that exists of my brother, who was four years old at the time, and it was my grandma, I think it was my grandmother's birthday, and she's sitting in the, her living room opening gifts, and all the family's around, and someone's filming her, and my brother is just going up to people and saying, 
parents sort of half-heartedly telling him to stop, but right. it's also hilarious. Right. But also like, no, not cool. You know? Yeah, so I don't sure, know. It's sure. So funny. And and <laughs> and and I guess my feeling is it depends on how you handle it. Of course. You know, and and like. I would just prefer that we don't have to handle right. it. Right. And, and I understand. Yeah. I understand. My, like, I would be fine if it was just something that we dealt with. You don't even want to, you... hang on, hang on. You don't even want to have to worry about it at all. And I understand that. And so, you know, fine. Thank you. Yes. Thank fine. You. Like, I guess I'm just asking, like, what do you mean? How, like, how do you even deal with it? Well, I mean, because the more you say no to her, the more she's going to want to say it because well, I don't, she gets a reaction. But I, but well, that's just it. So you, you don't, you don't sort of. Uh, fetishize the words and you don't right. make it a pathological thing. Sure. I mean, he was going around saying that because he knew he'd get a reaction. Right. You know, if if there's no reaction the first couple times he says it. See, I, I, I want to be clear. He wasn't saying it and people were laughing or yelling. Like, it was part of his vocabulary. Right. That's the difference. It wasn't like, let me say... Mm-hmm test my boundaries here and see and make people laugh well, or make I, them yell. I mean, I was not there, obviously. I, I know. But, but, but it, I but would... It's just, it was incorporated into... It was... I would... Out. You know what I mean? I would... I would guess that what had happened was that prior to this, he the reason it became part of his vocabulary was because he said it and did get reactions. Right, probably, yeah. And that's why, you know, when Leia said what she said, yeah. we just didn't react and... You know, she, she and on. she didn't yeah, care. Yeah. She moved on. I don't want to be in the middle of the park or something. Yeah. And she yells, Mama, bleep. You know, <laughs> I just don't want to be that mom. <laughs> and maybe that's silly of me, but like, I, I don't know. I, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Let's just rein it in. <laughs> but I love that word. I know you do. It's I know. such an awesome word. <laughs> All right. I think we're out of time. Probably. Yes. Thank you for bearing with us, you guys. Visit us <laughs> online at writinginreallife.com and follow us on Twitter at WIRL Podcast. And then subscribe to us in iTunes. And while you're there, give us a rating. We have 18 right now, which we have we're excited 18 about. Rating. And guys, they're all five stars. Oh, you're so nice. They're all five stars. And we really appreciate that. And we would love to add to that. And your checks are in the mail, by the way. Yes. You're 18. Checks are in the mail. Yes. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Bye.